Hey guys, Abel here, this time back with a shorter episode, or at least that's the plan. And I would like to talk about holiday eating and eating out during social events. Because this is something that uh, at this point I have quite a bit of experience with. And I can tell you about more embarrassing failures in the past than I care to admit. I have done at this point pretty much everything from not going out at all and skipping social events altogether to going out but not eat and not drink anything except water and diet soda or going out and binge my face off. So tons and tons of cringeworthy memories that I have here. And since this mid-November, mid-January time period is always a holiday-ridden time, including lots of social eating and eating out, I thought this would be a good time to record this episode. So the first thing I want to say about social events and eating out is that it's worth having some honest self-examination here and there if you find yourself having massive amounts of anxiety and stress going into these events. Because oftentimes this stress comes from the fact that you are afraid that you will be out of control and will do massive amounts of damage. And while, yes, there will be high-calorie foods around and it will be easy to overeat, ideally it shouldn't be thousands of extra calories. And if you do have the urge to consume thousands of extra calories, then that could be because you're otherwise just are too restricted. Either with the types of foods you're eating, and now you're all of a sudden viewing this one event as the one opportunity you've got to enjoy yourself, or you're trying to keep yourself at an unreasonably low body fat all the time, and you're just kind of hungry and crazy all the time. And you can make both of these approaches work if you never let life to happen. But life, as we know, does tend to happen. So some self-examination from time to time is a good thing. Is what you're doing sustainable? And or is it only sustainable if you take on a general lifestyle that is just overly rigid and not very fulfilling and that by itself is not sustainable? So the first thing I want to say about social events and eating out is that if you are someone heavily invested into improving your body composition and controlling your diet, there is always a reason or I should say excuse to skip social events. If you're currently cutting, for example, you may think that you skipping these events is only a temporary thing and you will become more social once you're done with cutting. But trust me, from experience, I can tell you that even on maintenance or massing, unless you're on a dreamer bulk seafood diet type of diet where you're just eating everything inside, having a meal out where you're eating random things with all kinds of messed up macronutrient amounts will never come handy to your progress. It will always mess up your structure a little bit. I've said this to myself a million times before when I was cutting that, okay, I'll skip on this event now, but I'll be more social once I'm done with this cut. But if you are invested into your physique and your progress, these out-of-the-norm type of events will never come at the right time. If you're on point with everything, they are annoying because they get you off track temporarily. And if you're not on point with things, they are also annoying because they delay the time by which you could get back on track. So... I would say that if you are interested in making this fitness thing a long-term sustainable endeavor that blends into an overall happy, fun life, then don't delude yourself with the idea that you will become more relaxed once you have achieved X, Y, and Z physique goal. Sure, there are some extreme examples of bodybuilders getting ready for stage and having to diet to 5% body fat, but for most of you listening, I would say that if you're interested in finding a sustainable lifestyle where social events that include food are part of your life, you better start living that way now. 
So the next thing I want you to have in mind as a general philosophical outlook on things, in fact, for some of you, I want you to write this on your hand, that acute short-term decisions do not make the difference between having a great physique or a mediocre one or between being lean and being fat. What matters is the general lifestyle that you have and the general identity that you built up for yourself as an exercising, well-eating individual. Now, this, of course, does not mean that you cannot do a considerable amount of damage in one or two days if you're being stupid about things, or yet worse, if you get into a what-the-hell kind of mindset. But what this does mean is that you're not here to be a hero this week or this month. You're here to build a body and build a lifestyle over the long term. Nobody with a great physique that you see in the gym will tell you that they are so glad that they could micromanage the hell out of a social event that they had a year ago. And nobody you see who is fat or just never managed to get lean will tell you that their failure came from screwing up things last Christmas. What matters for your long-term progress is that A, you manage these situations with reason and avoid the extremes, and B, that whatever happens, you respond to these situations appropriately. You know, funny thing is that in the past, I've gone into some horrendous cycles following social events where months later, I found myself in bad bad positions with body composition, self-esteem, and happiness. And there, in retrospect, I actually did say that the social events was that triggered everything. Because in that social events, I made some decisions that I ended up regretting, and it got me to spiral into a bad role. But in retrospect, it was, of course, not the social event that was to blame. It's how I ended up responding to that slip-up in the upcoming time. In that specific event, I did whatever amount of damage I did. Maybe I overate by a certain amount, but had I gotten back on track, even without any modifications or adjustments to my diet, even staying in a slight caloric surplus afterwards, a few months down the line, the worst that could have happened is that I would have looked up one day and said, okay, I gained a little bit too much fluff over the course of the past few months. I've been enjoying life a little too much here and there. I'll do a week or two of mini cut and damage duly undone. Note that I said I enjoyed life too much and I gained a little too much fluff. But instead, what ended up happening was me not enjoying myself, nor at the event really, nor afterwards, because I just drove myself crazy throughout the whole process. And I ended up gaining a ton of fluff because I let myself spiral into a destructive cycle. And the reason why this all happened is because I didn't have A, a proper outlook on all of this, and B, because I didn't have a solid identity built up around what I was doing. I was basically chasing short-term aesthetics instead of long-term progression. And when you have that kind of outlook on things, it's incredibly easy to fall into these negative spirals. Because if you go out and eat a bunch of things that you didn't eat for a while, stuff that are odds are a lot higher in either carbs or in fats or in sodium, and more likely in all of the above compared to your baseline diet, which means that there's a good chance that the next day you will wake up to a disaster strike of being bloated, having a big spike in your weight. If you're lean, your abs will be blurred out. You could feel gassy, watery, and all of that just screams into your face that, dude, now you messed up your physique. It's not always that bad. In fact, sometimes a big feast can even get you flush out some water and you could wake up looking lean and shredded. But occasionally, all of the bad stuff I just painted here will happen. And make no mistake, nobody likes this feeling. All the people with great physiques that you're probably admiring, and this includes all the smart, rational-minded authorities in the field, many of whom are coaches, many of whom are even scientists, this happens to virtually all of them. And no one of them likes this. And yet, 
you see them month after month, year after year, not blowing up, not becoming obese and progressing on their journey. So the question is, what separates them in this sense or what allows them to not fall off the wagon and stay sane? And sure, we are different. We have different personalities. Some of us have more self-control. Some of us are more rational and analytically minded. Some of us are more prone to addictive behavior than others. But I believe that the single biggest factor that separates these people in this case from the rest is experience. These people have experienced repeatedly that what you do here and there is far outweighed by what you do most of the time. And they have proven to themselves over and over that they are capable of getting lean and maintaining that physique. And I believe one of my ultimate role models in the whole physique building, bodybuilding game, Jeff Alberts from 3D Muscle Journey have said that experience cures insecurity. So this is just as a little philosophical overview for the beginning. And now let's get into to the actual strategies. Basically, what I'm going to do is use this latest experience that I had, which is probably as bad as it gets for most of you in most circumstances, because I've been having social feasts at least twice a day for three days in a row. So I had relatively little opportunities to correct for things or auto-regulate things. It was basically a relatively substantial influx of surplus calories for an extended period. So to keep things simple, I'm basically just going to tell you what I would have done even one year ago and what I did this time instead. The first thing that my old self would have done and that I didn't do this time is that I would have driven myself crazy way before I ever stepped foot into a single restaurant. I would have come up with like a week's worth of strategies around the event about how I'm going to modify my macros, of how I'm going to time my workout around the event, of what I'm going to do afterwards. And this time, I actually just didn't sweat the whole thing at all. Now, I did a little bit of dietary manipulation in the week prior and the few days afterwards, but I'll touch on this in a minute when I'll be touching on more specific tips. But in general, I didn't really sweat anything. My attitude was that I just really want to enjoy this experience for what it is, for the communal experience and for some of the culinary experience. But in general, I just want to have some nice conversations, laughs, and some nice food. The second thing I would have done in the past and what I didn't do now again is that I would have fasted up to the event and potentially even would have seriously restricted my food in the days prior. This time I actually had some food intentionally before going out. Now, of course, I didn't force feed myself with tons of food, but as I got hungry, I just ate some protein and some fruit beforehand because based on my past experience, the only thing that fasting up to the event achieved was that I went into the dinner being pretty much hangry, and the only thing I cared about was eating all the food. I was irritable, and just I was just not a fun person to be around. And invariably, I would end up eating just a shit ton of food and making a bunch of decisions that later on I ended up regretting. And of course, I did the whole fasting thing with all the right intentions of saving up calories. And for sure, I saved up a few hundred extra calories that I would have eaten earlier on, but that got vastly outweighed by the thousands of calories that I ended up eating because I was not thinking sanely by the time that I actually got to eat the dinner. 
And there is actually research on the fact that skipping meals that you would eat normally at your normal times can result in some super compensation in energy intake later on. So it kind of makes sense that skipping multiple meals could especially have this effect. So I just had some small amount of food at the time I would normally get hungry and ate. And I still went into the dinner looking forward to having a nice meal, but not being ridiculously, ravenously hungry and cravy. This brings me to the next point, which is how I actually ate around these events. You see, the biggest problem with restaurant meals and why they rack up excess calories so fast is because of their fat content. I mean, there's only so much protein and carbohydrates you can stuff into a single meal. I mean, with protein, most people don't want to eat hundreds of grams of protein in the form of different meats in a single meal. When it comes to carbs, there is only so much sugar you can add to a meal before it starts to taste grossly sweet. There is only so much bread, rice, and potatoes you can pile up on a plate before the restaurants would just start wasting food. But oils, butters, cream... These kinds of things, basically the sky is the limit. Because fat added to foods enhances their flavor, it adds texture and mouthfeel to things, and on top of that, of course, foods are typically being cooked in ridiculous amounts of fat in most restaurants. And that's also why estimating calories and macros in restaurant meals is usually a losing proposition because, because while you may be able to estimate the amount of protein and carbs in meals pretty accurately, trying to guess the amount of fat is a total crapshoot. It could be what you guessed, or it could be slightly less, or it could be twice as much. So for this reason, the only thing I modified in my meals around these social events, and it's what I generally do when I eat out anyway, is the fat content of my meals. So on the day off, I actually just went zero fat in my other meals. But in my subsequent few days, I basically just went a little bit lower fat in each of my meals and ate carbs to satiety. And there's a good rationale behind this. I didn't want to go zero fat for multiple days because in my experience, this just tends to build up appetite excessively, even if you had very high fat intakes the days before. But when it comes to carbs, because my carb sources were pretty high fiber, satiating foods, I actually basically could rely on the negative feedback loop they provided to my appetite. So Basically, how it looked like is that I was eating usually about half of the fat per meal that I would eat normally on, on average. Now, in some meals, I went without fat altogether and kept it in fully for others. But by the end of the day, my fat intake was roughly half of what it normally would have been. I kept my protein roughly the same. And when it comes to carbs, I basically stuck to my favorite low-calorie carb sources, which are, well, mainly frozen berries, which with some cocoa powder and sweetener are super delicious, but are very low calorie, and I just ate them to satiety, which worked perfectly because I just got super full from them super fast after the previous days of indulgence. Funny thing is, normally I can blow through a few bags of these berries, and now I felt stuffed after like half a pack. So that was the dietary manipulation, and at the end of the following week, I was basically back at the same exact point as I was before. The next thing is related to what I was doing while I was actually in the restaurant, and this is basically only pertains to my strategy around eating desserts. So in my episode on ad libitum dieting, you've learned about sensory-specific satiety and how basically you have a separate appetite, if you will, for all the different types of flavors, and that's the reason why there is always room for dessert. 
So in general, I don't think that this should mean for us that we should never have something nice and sweet after a big satisfying meal. But what I think it does mean is that when you're in a restaurant or just in an environment where everything you're eating is super high calorie anyway, it's good to be strategic about things. So in general, depending on the situation, I recommend the following things. If you're in a traditional restaurant, it's basically your call. If you want, ask for some dessert. It will add some more calories on top of what you've already eaten. But if it makes you satisfied and it gives you a nice ending to your meal, then go for it. Not a big issue. Now, alternatively, if you're like me and having some small, super delicious dessert just tends to almost piss you off in a way, then just forgo the dessert and then later, if you really want some sweet taste, just eat some low-calorie sweet stuff at home. This is actually what I did because for me, having some small amount of sweet, creamy stuff at the end of a meal just ramps up my cravings again. Whereas before, I would have been completely satisfied from a large, savory dish. So I will either go way overboard or I will just be cravy and a little annoyed for a while. So this time, I actually just didn't go for a dessert at all and just ate some sweet stuff at home and it was perfectly fine. If you're at a family dinner where dessert is just in the middle of the table and everyone can just go for it as they wish, I recommend that you pick a person, preferably some smaller female, and just mimic what she's doing. Serve yourself the dessert the amount of times she does it and approximately in the portion sizes that she's doing it. And make it a little rule for yourself that you will follow in her footsteps. It can be a he as well. I used this in the past and it was a good way to avoid getting on the slippery slope when you just slowly start to have more and more and more. If you are in an all-you-can-eat restaurant kind of setting or maybe in a potluck dinner type of setting where you have essentially unlimited amounts of food around, I recommend, for one, only picking one or two of your favorite items and eating only those because in research it's pretty well documented that variety in the available food options drives up caloric intake. So if your favorite foods are, say, stuffed turkey and pie, to give a cliche example, then I I advise you to go only for those. But the second important thing, and I want to give a shout out here to Miguel Blackwood, I hope I pronounced his name right, whom I heard it from, is to not go back and forth between different flavors at least. So once you've finished eating a certain flavor, actually stop there. It's fine, go for that dessert uh, after you're done eating your salty, savory stuff, but don't switch back to eating salty stuff again. Another thing, having some water with your meals, again, because satiety in large part is signaled by the stretching sensation you get in your stomach as you're eating, Helping yourself to get that nice sensation a little earlier into your meal would help you because since the foods in restaurants are so energy dense, by the time you will get this stretching sensation in your stomach, there's a good chance that you will have consumed a fair amount of calories. So that would be pretty much it in terms of specific strategies at the restaurant, besides the obvious ones like try to select foods reasonably smartly and not go for foods that are very obviously ridiculously high in calories. But I would say do this based on your evaluation of the given situation. I would say that if this is some big celebration and you're going to some awesome restaurant that is famous for some of its special dishes, don't try to order some super low-calorie salad with some lean steak just so that you can manage your food intake a little more. That kind of behavior will just stress you out. So next thing I want to touch on briefly is exercise. I would say that if it's convenient and you don't have to compromise the fun you would have with 
others by hitting the gym for an hour in the hours preceding the event, then do it. If you create the signal for building muscle by exercising, then obviously some of the excess calories that you ingest will be used to build muscle. And by definition, those will not be used to expand your fat stores. And it can give you a nice, satisfying feeling during your meal too that, oh man, I'm massing, I'm getting muscular from this feast. Keep in mind though, the magnitude of the impact it's going to have. I mean, given the realities of how little muscle you can synthesize as a natural lifter during a given week, let alone during a given day, it's not going to produce wonders. I mean, yes, if you train during the day where you're eating everything in sight, then you can be sure that you're not holding back on gaining whatever amount of muscle you could gain from that training session. But to gain that amount of muscle maybe requires 100 calories or so. So you're not going to look up one day with a lot of muscle mass and think to yourself, man, I'm so glad that I had that awesome training session three months ago before I had that massive dinner, because otherwise now I would just be super fat. I mean, if you want to see meaningful differences, then not eating thousands of ex excess calories and remaining reasonable will win out over eating those thousands of calories, but having an awesome training session before every time. Another thing that is overlooked by many, and I've fallen for this, is just having some self-restraint in terms of postponing fat loss phases. I mean, objectively speaking, there is very little reason why you can't wait maybe until January 15 before you start cutting instead of starting with it on November 15. Yes, it's three months later. And if you're really unpleased with how you look at the moment, I understand the sense of urgency, but it's, it's much smarter, in my opinion, to put yourself at maintenance or even at a slight surplus. Focus on building muscle instead when having an excess of food is hard to avoid anyway. And then when all the holidays are over, start cutting. And if you start with your diet mid-January, you can still get nice and lean by, say, June. I mean, you can get a lot of shit done in three, four months. The last thing to once again end on a bit of a philosophical note here is to Try to get into the mindset of not treating these events as a food vacation, but more as a vehicle for social interactions and community building. And like I said in the beginning, if you do view them as a food vacation, then it's probably a sign that you're trying to live a lifestyle in terms of your food choices that is just unsustainably rigid and restrictive. I think that as a society, we just need to acknowledge and come to terms with the fact that food is an integral part of forming new relationships as well as cultivating and maintaining existing ones. And that if you're going to live an active social life, then being able to manage these situations will be an important component of it. I think that eating out and enjoying foods outside of your regular nutrition, including alcohol, is something that can and should be part of a regular lifestyle. I'm not saying that you should drink alcohol, by the way, but it's definitely that is something that you can incorporate if you want. And just as with most things, the main thing is to maintain balance and reason. And then the fitness lifestyle can be fun. So guys, that was pretty much it for this episode. Like I said, I, it was going to be a shorter one. And just to summarize everything, the main strategies I would recommend are one, don't go into the event super hungry, have some food during the day as you normally would, just go for lower calorie options to take the edge off. Two, if you and when you modify your nutrition in the day surrounding these social events, modify primarily the fat content as that is what makes these social meals particularly problematic. Thirdly, have some strategies for desserts. If you're in a restaurant, basically it's your call whether you order a serving or dessert or not. 
If it satisfies you and makes you feel good, then go for it. If it just ramps up cravings, like for myself, then maybe skip it and have something sweet at home. If you're in a family dinner kind of setting at home, then pick a person who will likely not eat a ton of dessert and mimic his or her tempo and portion sizes. And if you are in an all-you-can-eat restaurant, for one, only eat your favorite foods and don't cruise around at the restaurant trying everything in sight. And then don't go back and forth between different flavors. Once you're done eating a given flavor, like salty flavor, and switch to sweet, don't go back to salty ones again. Fourth thing is exercise. If it's convenient and you can get a good workout in, do it. Just don't get your hopes too high in terms of how much damage control that's going to do. Not going totally ham on food will be a much, much bigger game changer than trying to destroy yourself in the gym beforehand. Fifth, if possible, time your fat loss phases so that it doesn't fall right in the middle of the holidays. Rationally speaking, there's little reason why it can't wait for another two or three months. Trying to diet through the holidays can be done, of course, but from a mental health perspective, at least, uh, it's much better to do it later. And then lastly, try to get into the mindset that the holidays are about the community building and relationship cultivating aspects just as much, if not more, than it is about the delicious foods. And overarching all of these tips is that I recommend that you have some self-examination every now and then if you are finding yourself approaching these times with a great amount of anxiety and stress to see if you're trying to maintain a general eating style year-round that is overly rigid and unsustainable. So guys, that would be it for this episode. Hope you enjoy this. I hope you have a great holiday period and you will have a crazy good time without actually driving yourself crazy. So thank you for tuning in and see you next time. Hey guys, I just want to tell you again that your inputs for this podcast will help it grow more than anything and your requests, ideas and comments will contribute to awesome content going live on this channel and podcast more than anything. So if you want to contribute, the best thing you can do is to go on Facebook and look up Sustainable Self-Development. You'll find both the page and the Facebook group that is dedicated to discussions and ideas being thrown around. Go there and note down your comments about what kinds of topics or guests you want to be featured on this podcast and YouTube channel in the future. Just keep in mind the general theme of this podcast and my YouTube channel, which is to help people becoming their best selves in terms of lifestyle as it pertains to fitness and general personal development. This podcast is really dedicated to self-improvement, both physically and mentally. So keep that in mind. So thanks again for tuning in and see you next time.